Uh, okay, um, our newspaper panel uh, have uh, joined us. Uh, with us is uh, Mick Clifford from the uh, the Examiner, Sinead Ryan, a consumer columnist uh, with independent newspapers, and David Leach, former Labour strategist, now Director of Communications with Goal. Uh, you're all very welcome. Um, Let's start with that. Um, I suppose I should say Happy Christmas to you all. Is, is, you, you, you still say Happy Christmas on the Happy New Year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we've yeah, moved yeah. on. I'm We're now in the year. Uh, okay, that difficult, <laughs> that difficult period between Christmas and, and New Year. Um, let's start with the Joan Burton. Um, uh, pension story. I mean, David Lee, you were up until very recently. You worked for for Joan Burton. Uh, I mean, is this kind of is it back to two thousand and two and two thousand and seven and promising the the sun, the moon, and the stars to to voters? Well, I think it's a play for the grey vote, and clearly, if you were to examine polling, um, you would see that the grey voter, the grey vote, is very important. People in of that demographic vote more than any other. Um, like, I think the risk is that you throw away your Trump card, this government's Trump card, is economic competence. And, you know, I think both... Stability. Yeah. Enda Kenny and uh, John Burton have that card in their pack, but Enda Kenny with promises of tax uh, decreases and John Burton with promises of, of pension increases or greater spending risk that economic competence card and be taken away from them if, you know, if, if they play that hand too, too much. But at the same time, they have to... Uh, show a bit of leg as it were to the voters and say what they're going to do if they're elected wait, you know, wait, should, they, should the voters at this stage uh, I mean we're very quick to criticise politicians in, in this country but what about the voters themselves I mean should we not be a bit wary of seeing a bit of leg at this stage because we saw lots of leg during the Celtic Tiger and we ended up being all for a coat and yeah, well, you, know, you know where I'm going with this but anyway go on I'm going to stop with that <laughs> for right now well, I mean, there's two sides to this. First of all, I mean, I think in that story you mentioned this on the Times alone are quoted as saying that a third of pensioners live in poverty, etc. And, you know, clearly there is an issue with people in their older older years living in poverty and we would all, we'd all uh, share that. Are those statistics actually correct? Though? Well, whether they are or whether they're not, I'm not sure a 700 million a boon, uh, which, is what, which is what it would be over five years, across all pensioners is the way to hit elderly poverty. I mean, I think there's a public policy response that could be more targeted and more sensible than giving a five a year to every pensioner for five years, including people that don't, frankly, that don't need it. Mm. Um, um, you know, look when Fianna Fáil started to cut back in 2007 or 2008 medical cards brought people onto the streets in a way that scared politicians to death and I don't think any politician is going to you know ignore the fact that the grey vote is extraordinarily powerful politically but if we've learned anything perhaps we should be thinking about public policy solutions that are more targeted and that will give you a much better bang for 700 million euros than simply a fiver in everyone's pocket, including many many people who don't need it, mm. frankly. OK. Uh, Sinead Ryan, I mean, obviously this is kind of your core area in some ways, the, the idea of, of, of uh, mm. c- consumer um, spending and so on. Um, one thing that strikes me about the pension, I mean, there is an argument that says that the mo- it's almost unaffordable at the moment. And certainly in 20 or 30 years' time, as we get, you know, the likes of myself are going to be getting the old age pension from still around touch wood. Um, well, I would take the word almost out of that um, sentence, Shane. It is unaffordable at the moment. KPMG ran a report in 2013, which was to assess the cost and the ongoing cost of the state pension. Um, and they assessed that the deficit uh, by uh, 2050 was going to be 326 billion. That's billion with a B. Uh, and and uh, in the interest of transparency, I'll just say that I was appointed to the Pensions Council um, earlier this year so we've been looking a lot at, at this kind of area and, and in terms of what is, is and is not available um, and in truth of course John Burton nor anybody else can promise uh, 
anything like this increase uh, without being able to show where the money is going to come from. At the moment, state pensions, and indeed it has to be said, uh, public sector pensions are running at uh, a very, very high deficit. State pensions are taken out of current account income, so there is no fund for it. This was the National Pension Reserve Fund was there to set up for, for public sector pensions that was stripped away and tied up in a bow and handed over to the Troika. Um, but the, as far as state pensions is concerned, we have an increasingly ageing demographic. Uh, we will have no way to pay them in the future. And there's only a couple of options. One is to extend out the pensions age, which we are rapidly doing. It's going out to 68 soon. Uh, and the other is to, to cut it. And the people that is going to be cut for are those who are receiving the contributory pension because the amount of PRSI that has been paid towards it is simply not sustainable. Um, now, anybody who's self-employed like me, of course, uh, is in an even more precarious position because, because PRSI doesn't cover m- most benefits. It only covers a pension. Uh, it is going to be virtually impossible to pay what we are due to pay over the next 20, 30 or 40 years. So promising increases like this actually comes under the heading of reckless. OK. McClifford, do you agree? <coughs> I do, yeah. I mean, I think David's point is, is the most valid one that's targeted. There is... Uh, elderly poverty there's no question about that but the problem is we're back to O2 you do not do anything that's targeted what you do is you fire out the message at the broadest possible constituency in order to gain votes with one hand while with the other hand you also promise tax cuts and if we're seeing this already we're still two months out from it can you imagine what it's going to be like in a month's time not only that there's a further issue and that is um Sinn Féin and Fianna Fáil for instance both um, as things stand at the moment and anything can happen in the interim don't look likely to be in government so what kind of promises are going to come from them as well are they going to be even more extravagant and is one is it going to be like poker are we go- is one side going to be upping the other if John Burton is promising this now wait till you see what the promises are for pensions ultimately by the time we get mm-hmm. around to a week or two out from a general election and it is depressing to be honest with you but I think, Shane, and I'm, I'm, unfortunately I'm coming around increasingly to this uh, point of view, we get the politicians we deserve. We've all been there before. Nobody was uh, in short pants in 2002. We all know what the score is. Yeah, lots of text coming through on this, which seems to suggest that your point is right. Uh, the first bit of, of the unwinding of austerity, and you're talking of giveaway budgets and buying the election. Are you mad? Do you want perpetual pain for the taxpayer? And Roshin says, what's with the sarcasm? Reworkers regaining some of the cuts they suffered to help an economy in crisis. What's your agenda? Sometimes it seems to me that news talk reporters would much prefer it if I'd never worked and was getting handed. My agenda is this. Roisin, that we don't repeat the mistakes of the past and we don't go mad again making lots of promises this doesn't happen, I don't think, well maybe it does, I don't think this happens in German elections as well where all the parties promise crazy things that are, affor- that are unaffordable and that we end up in five years time having to roll back on, that's my only agenda, just a bit of common sense. Uh, well, da- Dan O'Brien uh, Mick Clifford mm-hmm. was right, uh, has been writing about this yeah. issue and saying look, you know, maybe there is an argument for saying if we're in competition with the UK for foreign direct investment, maybe there is an argument that says we should look at changing our tax system. But he he makes the point, be careful what you wish for. Because if yeah. you're talking about a UK tax system, you're talking about people paying tax a lot earlier than they do here at the moment. Where If you're, if you're low paid in Ireland, you pay 
very very little tax relative to other EU and the countries. other the other element to it is if if you're higher paid here you pay more tax than you do in those countries and I would argue that that's a more equitable system and I would not be in favour of changing that personally but his point is if you if that is the road that uh, Fine Gael in particular are going to go down they're the largest party then show where the money is going to come from and this is and one other thing in that vein Shane just in relation to one of your texts this is another issue that I think desperately needs to be addressed in this election an awful lot of people are talking about recovering cuts going back to what people were on in 2008 now make no mistake the way cuts have come in have been hugely disproportionate in terms of those lower down having suffered the most but all of that talk and we get it from all quarters is predicated on the basis that what was there in 2008 was sustainable and it simply was not and that's the first thing political parties I believe have to face up in the coming election any waffle about going back to 2008 is simply fraudulent basically putting that before the electorate Um, David Leach I mean you worked in the game for Mm. a long time I did Uh, and we all know that debates for example Fianna Fáil had in 07 where uh, before the election where Brian Cowan wanted to say let's just play it steady that should be our message and Ber- Bertie Ahern bottled it at the last minute and ended up promising the sun the moon mm. the stars and the yardage now it ended up being a largely irrelevant exercise anyway because the, the, the crash hit do you get any thanks from the electorate for saying you know what we don't want to repeat the mistakes of the past the money isn't there to do it it's not a palatable message but we're just going to keep things really steady is there any upside in that at all well, I think if you, if, you, if you look at what Fianna, Fianna Gael are going to do in the election, they're going to play both sides of this. I mean, and very much mirror the Tory party campaign in t- this year in 2015 in Britain, which was to say long-term economic plan, stability, safe and sure, secure the recovery, vote Conservative. But at the same time, they did say we're going to spend an extra five billion or whatever it is on the on the NHS at one stage in the campaign because you you have to do both. There, there will be. I mean, campaigns are human endeavours. I mean, people do have you know the, the people are human and the, and you're like w- with the best will in the world and with someone like Linton Crosby running a campaign who's a, a message discipline freak, they still had to give a little bit along the way because you can't be just all about austerity. But if, if the overall message from Fine Gael will be long term economic plan stick with who you know who got you here secure the recovery it'll be very much a carbon copy of the Tory party campaign but there will be some um, you know glimpses of what they're going to do in the future in terms in terms of uh, we're, getting of more, we're getting more than glimpses though at the moment aren't we we're yeah more. and I mean as I said at the outset the danger for the government is that they blow their trump card which is economic credibility mm. by showing too much leg at, uh, during the campaign it's as simple as that Sinead last word to you on this yeah I think that um, Labour of course are in a more desperate position in, in one sense than Fine Gael so it behoves them I suppose to come out and uh, shouting shouting over the odds and we saw that actually in the last campaign because Eamon Gilmore was doing pretty much exactly the same thing when they thought they were a shoe in at that stage mm. so so to be doing it now is well, a sign of Well in fairness they, they were, I think David will confirm they were afraid Fine Gael were yeah. going to get an overall majority and that's uh, maybe why those promises were made. And now that, that certainly um, you know um, there is some commentary well notably from Frank Flannery that, that, that he thinks Fine Gael are, are in danger of I'm putting that inverted commas getting an overall majority. <laughs> so, so I wonder whether Joan Burton will go and, and rob Michael McDool's posters. Do, uh, do you remember the, the uh, John Gormley right. They McDool. could do worse. Yeah, Single but, party uh, government. Uh, no, thank but you. But I do, I do think that that you can go a little bit too far. And, and certainly, when you're looking at a vulnerable group in society, which are which are pensioners, you know, I mean, one of the uh, interesting pension stats is that at the moment in Ireland, we're very lucky in Europe. We we have five taxpayers to every pensioner. Now, by twenty. Um, 40 that is moving to 3 to 1 and initially it's currently 1 to 1 
you can, that is unsustainable. That's at current levels. Right. So but, but promising isn't, something isn't, isn't on the, the way out is just crazy. Come back to 2002 again. Isn't the issue that, for example, bringing in the free medical card for everybody over 70, fantastic electoral ploy, mm. but it cost a fortune. It wasn't even costed. It ended up costing three times. So it was, whereas if you targeted those uh, those over 70 who are yes. more deserving of it, at least it's not going to cost anything like the sky and you're going to get your yes, objective of ensuring like people we, aren't we in poverty. Can't even, they can't even seem to do that with regards to child benefit. Oh, yeah, yeah, and there's yeah, a dead yeah. simple yeah. Uh, thing. That, you know, the computers don't talk, there's a tax thing, there's a legislative thing. Well, change it. Make sure it's targeted. I mean, that's what the legislators are for. Yeah. So you target your pension, you target your state benefits of all kinds. Universal payments are a codology. They cannot be sustained. Um, David Leach, that um, uh, that story that uh, Sinead was referring to, the, the Frank Flannery predicting. Now, to be fair, he's saying the mo- he, he believes the coalition will be returned, Fine Gael and Labour. Yes. Uh, and uh, that's his kind of number one prediction. But he's also saying you couldn't rule out, I don't think he really goes an awful lot further mm. than that, you couldn't rule out an overall majority. The bookies have it at 14 to 1. I checked this out, actually, because I, was, I actually was, was writing a piece for, on it for the Sunday and I checked it out. Now, I don't think ultimately it ultimately will happen. Fourteen to one seems like very long odds, though too long odds. I would have. Yeah, thought. But I wouldn't put any money on it at fourteen to one. I mean, I don't think Fine Gael will thank Frank Flannery first of all for making the prediction. No. Um, I think there'll be a lot of high fives in the Labour Party uh, rooms this morning that he is making the prediction um, simply because of what Sinead says. I mean, they have the tougher um, wicket. I mean, they're the ones that are trying to justify. You know, t- t- they can't play just the economic credibility card. They've got to have something to say to the electorate beyond economic credibility, that's the Fine Gael card. So I mean the danger for them is that they become irrelevant and that the only way they become relevant is if there's a Fine Gael opportunity there's an opportunity the Fine Gael have an overall majority. I don't think that's a sensible prediction. However, I would predict that that the government will be re-elected. And I, th- I think that both government parties will be, you know, between them, well over 40 percent by the time the election comes. Yeah, how do you see that breaking down? I mean, some. Pe- I mean, if you listen to some people, they're saying Finnegan. There's no way they can get more than sixty seats. But if they're at 34, 36 percent, which they could very well, easily, well, they're at thirty one now. Um, yeah. So thirty six is easily within touching distance of of that. And I think um, they won't get seventy six seats on this occasion with thirty six percent of the vote. But they'd certainly get into the sixties. I think Labour. It's an open question. They're at nine percent now. They can be between eight and twelve in, in an election. I think, and they can be. T- be between 10 and 20 seats um, I think that's the kind of ch- country you're talking about um, so a 12% 20 seats if they, things would have to fall right for them in every constituency in the country for them to get 20 seats on 12% but I think that's eminently possible OK um, Mick Clifford do you think uh, an overall majority you, you don't think an overall majority for Fine Gael is on I don't think well I haven't a clue but <laughs> I know more I, than I, anybody I, does yeah, I, no I, I, it, it would seem highly unlikely we haven't had an overall majority since 77 was 77 was the last yeah. time if yeah, it was Bert- going to happen the people wouldn't allow it to happen that's what happened in the last occasion exactly. that's what happened and to that's what happened exactly so yeah. 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 to Fianna Fáil private polls yeah. were showing Fianna Fáil win about 89 or yeah. 90 seats and that's why and the PDs were wearing that's yeah, why the they did vote shifted in the last week to make sure yeah. it wouldn't happen to make sure it wouldn't happen the other the, the big problem here is what is the alternative if there was a coherent alternative um, then you could well have a, gre- a greater um, battle so to speak but there isn't a coherent mm. alternative unfortunately and I think it's unfortunate because I think we could do a, a change of government but it is not coherent and the other issue there is at the centre of the alternative is Sinn Féin and I think there are still issues around Sinn Féin some of the electorate think that some of them don't think there's any issues around them but some definitely do so the issue going into the into the election is what are the two alternatives and is an alternative to, uh, outside the government are they presenting a coherent 
programme and something that but is economically sustainable and looks like it could be fashioned into an alternative government. As of now, that doesn't seem to be the case. Sinead Ryan, I mean, that does seem to be key. It's very like 2002 in that respect, mm. where it was really Fianna Fáil and somebody else, basically. Yeah. And this looks to me like Fine Gael and somebody else this election. I, I think it does. And, and I mean, obviously, Dave, Dave knows more about this, but I think the, the toss up here is between Fianna Fáil and Labour. Um, it really does as the, as the tail wagging the dog. And um, it'll be... <sighs> Labour have an uphill battle there's absolutely no about, doubt about it when you've half your party fighting with the other half I mean you know just before you ever head into the into the campaign um, it probably it ever does in the Labour Party David was <laughs> 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 with saving the world and saving the Labour Party I choose to save the world far easier there is an element here of to what extent Fianna Fáil will now be forgiven and to what extent Labour will be forgiven for the last five years from their electorate on some of the promises Labour voters tend to be less forgiven forgiving and that's because they are more polarised whereas you know Fianna Fáil might pick up more seats than, they're ex- than, than might have been expected and then it'll come down to uh, whether the f- whether Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil can do business and the, you know this is all going to come down to the sums at the end of the day let there be no uh, doubt about that uh, the, the ideologies will be there somewhere humming in the background but it's going to come down to maths Okay alright um just before we go to a break, yeah, we're, we're, there's an interesting story on a totally different note. Uh, the Sunday Times in their arts and books section have a section on the songs of the year. Uh, our panel were, were, go, were going through it and uh, we basically, uh, most of the songs, Mick Clifford obviously knew, knows them all because he's hipper, <laughs> he's hipper than most of us. Uh, Adele, now he'll start singing them. Uh, Adele is there with Hello, Kendrick Lamar with All Right, Jack U featuring Justin Bieber. There's a couple of Justin Bieber songs. The Weekend Can't Feel My Face, yeah, which is definitely me most weekends, but I don't know the song. Uh, Drake, uh, Hotling Bling uh, Little Mix um, Black Magic you're a Little Mix fan I think aren't you Mick yeah. Mix. Or, is uh, that the band or the song I'm not even sure <laughs> I'm not even sure we're all showing our age here so anyway look I've asked the panel for their, their favourite songs here they're all a little bit shy uh, so I'm going to kick off with uh, with my favourite song of uh, 2015 it's by a band I've really come to love in the last few years uh, Storn Away it's from their new album uh, Bonksney or Boxney I think is how you pronounce it anyway the song is uh, Salt Marsh and the Sea back in a moment on the Sunday show when you're wild again, under my skin you rub salt in old wounds and you tear at my lips. Okay, welcome back to the Sunday Show, Shane Coleman, with you until noon today. We, we nearly got caught short there. We were talking about what we had for uh, Christmas dinner. Uh, our panel is uh, Sinead Ryan, uh, Mick Clifford and uh, David Leach. We're going through uh, the Sunday papers. Um Interesting story, Sinead Ryan, uh, in, uh, I'm not sure which of the papers, the Sunday Times, uh, gas guzzlers <laughs> are the biggest threat to our CO2 status. Well, Mick and I now, uh, Mick, Mick picked up a very interesting angle on this story, this Alison Bray story, actually, it's in the Sindo as well, Sunday saying that, end, that the EPA were being quoted, and, and really, you know, the head of the EPA wants us to cop ourselves on. I think that seems like a direct quote. Uh, and, you know, the, the car registrations are up this year, SUVs driving people from Donnybrook to Dundrum, he says. That, that are capable of pulling a horse box. There's no horse box there. Uh, weekends to New York City, absolutely starting off again. So, so he's very, very cross about that kind of thing. And while agricultural products, byproducts, and we know we're just a bit early in the morning now to get into the detail there, account for one third of our greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, apparently, apparently right in there, Mick, is... Italian fizzy water. See? <laughs> really? Who knew? That's, yeah. <laughs> Italian fizzy water. And why does Italian fizzy water... I don't know why, I don't know why it's for fizzy water. Okay, you can get... Italian fizzy water I don't know I'm just glad it was a little fizzy water 
Yes, apparently it is it is responsible. Uh, one of our, our kind of increasing con- consumption, our return to economic success has, has resulted in us, you know, not, not pouring the old tap water and buying Pellegrino. Yeah. And, 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 Which and, presumably and, uh, has to be transported in. I presume that's where it's coming from, is it? Well, yeah, mm. we were a little more well, base well, about transported in as well. That's French. I think there's fewer bubbles in the Perrier. Oh, I, I, I think it's kind of more flatter. <laughs> anyway, we, we got into a, an, a, a conversation about that, which which probably was unnecessary. But uh, yes, so, but don't the EPA have a point well. about you know these gas guzzlers? And you do you see them all around Dublin? People driving these massive jeeps. They do, they do. And you know, it, like the point about the cars, the car registration, it, it's now uh, back to 2008 levels. The number of new registrations this year um, have have shot up and uh, people are getting bigger cars. Now, you know, uh, there's there's lots of ways that government can, can help that along. I mean, our motor tax is extraordinarily high in this country compared to other countries. The price of oil has brought petrol down. So maybe that's encouraging people maybe to go up an engine size, things like that. So from that point of view, uh, I think pe- people had held off buying a car, changing the car, doing anything different, and that's ramping up again. And in one sense, you can say, well, who can blame them? But there are other ways that you can uh, you can counteract it. Uh, and, and if certainly if a Missions is to the forefront of our thinking, uh, then that has to be the ba- place to start. Uh, David Leach, I know you have a penchant for uh, Italian uh, sparkling uh, water, uh, but other than that, <laughs> do you drive a big gas guzzler? No, I don't. Uh, well, I haven't. I haven't in the past. Look, if 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 we want to do something in the long term about gas guzzlers around Dublin, the best thing we can do is address our public transport system. I don't think anyone, and I've only lived in Dublin for a couple of years, anyone would go onto the M50 in any sort of a vehicle willingly, unless they had to of a morning mm. or an evening, for that matter. Um, so let's we are doing uh, we've done plenty over the last number of years but hopefully um, as we come out of uh, economic recession and the recovery takes hold we choose to spend public money on public transport I think it's badly mm. wanted in Dublin in particular uh, Mick Clifford uh, we're a little bit like was it St Augustine and the yeah. Lord make me chase but but not yet when yeah. it comes to sort of greenhouse gas emissions and all that, we're very like that in this country Com- completely uh, as typified by Enda Kenny's speech uh, to yeah. in Paris which Both was sides of his mouth, which was the ultimate cop out cop, yeah. cop out at COP21 I mean look what came out of Paris is that they're go- we're going to have severe changes if we're going to make any proper effort to meet the targets and a quite obvious one would be immediately to tax the living daylights out of gas guzzlers to be quite frank about it uh, I would have no problem with that whatsoever you, you, you have to discourage that sort of thing if you're going to have any chance of meeting your uh, greenhouse targets can't and see Fine Gael doing that with their, no, uh, with their voting the one thing that gets me about these gas guzzlers in particular Shane you know these bars at the front they have at the front they're originally known as roo bars they were, they, they were in the outback in Australia to protect people from kangaroos they have people with these roo bars driving around well, Dublin and well look out for kangaroos well it is a problem now in Donnybrook oh it's a serious <laughs> issue in, in Donnybrook yeah 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 but if we're to be serious about climate change I mean the issue for Ireland the difficult issue for Ireland are the, are the, and certainly where Fine Gael won't want to go is the agricultural issue I mean that's what Paris and our attitude at COP21 was all about I mean mm. let's be honest about it and in a day when we've spent plenty of time in the last 20 or 20 or 30 minutes criticising politicians I mean the result of Paris was a, was a fantastic result for the process and for politics yeah, at yeah, the end yeah, of the day okay. I mean um, a, a, lot of, a lot of good came out of it and hopefully we can I mean we are 
you know we can see it around Britain and Ireland over the last number of weeks we're, we're, so, we're, we're reaping what we sow in terms of climate change as well not only in, around the world in more developing regions but also, but also here and um, you know hopefully COP21 is the beginning of something that can get us to the right hopefully place. Okay. Uh, Pat and Dublin has texted and saying Mick Clifford you culture the fizz in Perrier is natural so no energy used in fizzing the water unlike the Italian water. I mean, I thought you'd oh, know exactly how Perrier was made so that's clearly why <laughs> so it's the energy used in fizzing the water right. according to uh, Pass in Dublin uh, come here it is it's Christmas time it's generally a, a, a slow oh by the way actually somebody's texted in so saying it is still you do still say happy Christmas I'll see if I, oh yeah inform your panel it's Christmas for 12 days there's no difficult period between Christmas Day and New Year so I hope you're all having a Depends on how much you've Christmas. eaten over the Christmas yeah. couple of yeah. days. Yeah. 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 We have pedantic textures this morning. That's, we, we I like do. that. I like that. Um, I, yeah, sorry, the point I was going to make, quiet time of the year, and this is a story that does tend to pop up in quieter times, uh, David Leeds, the idea of uh, votes for immigrants. Uh, Enda Kenny promising it. Now, it is just in presidential elections, not in general elections or local elections. What, what, what's your take on it? I'd say Labour would probably do quite well, would they, for from, for immigrant voters? I have no idea. I'm opposed to it anyway. I always have been a curmudgeon when it comes to this issue. I think it's, yeah. uh, again, it's a hardy annual of political downtime, whether it's in August or in December. Um, the idea of extending votes to immigrants, how would we do it? What limits would we set? I mean, there's 40 million of an Irish diaspora out there. Where are we going to stop? I mean, you could have a situation. I mean, the numbers being talked about in this morning's papers would suggest that the vote outside of Ireland would nearly be bigger than the vote inside mm-hmm. in Ireland for a presidential election. I'd far prefer to extend it to citizens of the European Union in Ireland who can't vote I mean 20% of our population choosing the, of, the, of, the, of the country and in fairness to the last number of presidents we've had they've all sought to be inclusive about who mm. lives in Ireland and all the rest of it I mean the issue of who votes in our presidential elections and indeed who votes in referenda needs to be examined well, to my we mind We had an interesting one and nobody really wanted to go there during the same sex marriage referendum where you had people flying home to vote yes. and if you looked at technically they weren't, they weren't to vote eligible to vote, to vote. now there was, the government certainly weren't going to stop them and no. not too many people in the media were willing to, to raise it but technically a lot of them weren't eligible to vote. They weren't, but they were, they were still on the register, presumably, for whatever well, reason. The, regi- I mean, the register's a joke. We, we did know is, that. Yes, it is. And I mean, there's something to be said for people for the first number of years when they've left the country having a stake in it, for the first three or four, perhaps, or five years being allowed to vote. But, I mean, the idea that someone who's left the country for 30 or 40 years has never paid tax here, um, you know, it do- perhaps doesn't even hold an Irish passport, would still have a vote in a presidential election. I mean, we've, that, that, that to me doesn't make any sense. I'm ambivalent about this one. Um, I, I'm more annoyed at the fact that that ends up thinking up new referendums we can have, except instead he, of holding he the one loves that, the old referendum, instead of he? holding the one that we should be having, which is repealing the Eighth Amendment. Well, but, he, I think that probably will happen we'll in the next vote. Yeah. Uh, but but this 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 idea, I I I think to be very difficult to police. I'm. I'm in one sense, I would like the idea that emigrants who are forced to emigrate because of government policy over the years might have a say now in what kind of government might be formed as a result. But but policing that would be extraordinarily difficult. I'm not for 70 million people worldwide with Irish ancestry having a say in who our president will be when they, have, when they don't have to live under him or her. Uh, and also... The president, the role of the president, as we know, is is a figure, a figurehead role. It has no political distinction, and therefore, why? What's what's the point in having even more people voting for them? Uh, I think it would it would it would kind of um, dilute it to to an extent that would render it meaningless. So, no, I'm not particularly for allowing those who who claim Irish ancestry to have a vote. Citizens, uh, obviously, a different thing altogether, and how you extend that out into 
what kind of ex- what what kind of level you can extend that out. I, I think unless you can do it really cleanly, I, I don't see the point. Mick, uh, Sinead's right. This is another one of these suggestions from Enda Kenny that probably will never... He's great at these. will never see... Do you remember the, the last time he was talking about... Presidential age. Presidential... Well, that, yeah, well, that did happen. Sure. And, uh, yeah. But he was talking about making uh, promises about uh, having a scorecard for ministers. Uh, yeah. Ab- abolition of the, sh- the Shannad. I mean, this, this is sort of part... Well, in fairness, part, you know, he tried to abolish the Shannad. Yeah, yeah but, but it was done on a whim. It was done, uh, yeah, the yeah. whole thing was on a whim. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, look, I am in favour of some uh, representation in some form for immigrants. I, I lived abroad for a number of years uh, previously, and I mean, I think I, I would definitely be in favour. Under no circumstances would I be in favour of uh, any vote for in, in terms of general elections, in terms of where power is exercised. But Sinn Féin would like it, would they? Mm. Oh, they'd love it. I mean, they've their Galway tent in New York, and all the people there will help them bring in. But I, I, I wouldn't be in favour of that at all. Um, all good Republicans, in fairness, but but Republicans, well, Republicans <laughs> exactly. in the US sense. But the the, the, um, the presidential election, I think, for a possibility of somebody who'd left within five to ten years, I wouldn't have an issue with that at all. I think, though, a priority. And again, you're down to look. That makes great headlines. I mean, I think the point David made about the immigrants who come into this country, getting them as quickly as possible on the register, particularly for local elections as well as the presidential election, I think that should be the priority above all. Peter Sutherland was speaking on this yesterday. He's the UN um, special envoy for refugees. I think, and I mean, it's a very yeah, very valid point. I mean, that, that should be the priority. Now, that's not, not, not going to be any vote, big vote-getter, but that is, is in terms of br- having a better society. I mean, I think that should be the priority. Afterwards, yes, by all means. This has been going on for years about giving immigrants some say, and I, I think there's some validity to it, definitely. Interesting text here saying, what about our citizens in the six counties? Um, I mean, is that something, David Leeds, that, uh, I mean... They yeah, I think that. I, look, uh, I, I should they to, have a vote in the presidential? Well, that's, Sinn Fein definitely would favour that. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and I mean, I think um, there's something to be said for it. But I mean, look, re- relations in the north of Ireland are are, are pitched at a fairly, you know, you, you would not go messing with, around with that, given where we've come to in the last twenty years, without being, you know, being sensible about it. Is that something you do at a whim or because yeah. simply because um, it's it's the flavour of the, of the season or whatever? I mean, we, you need to think carefully when you do things like that. But I wouldn't have an objection to that at all um, for those that for those that want to vote there. I mean, the danger, of course, is that it becomes a sectarian headcount and only certain people would vote, and that's the problem. Well, with I think, it. So, yeah, I think, it, and I that's think that's what you don't want. Yeah. I mean, you want you want the president to be representative of the of the whole country, and you know, yes, I, I have no difficulty with people in the north of Ireland doing that, but I would like both communities to feel involved in that if that were to happen. You know? Okay, Hugh says, Hugh and Dublin says, I think the Green Party idea is best. Two senators to represent the diaspora, which does sound Yeah, good. that sounds yeah, fair. And the French do yeah. that quite successfully. And the French have yeah. representation for French living abroad within their parliamentary system in, their, in, the, in the second chamber. And th- th- there is an element of the hang-up because for decades immigrants were ignored and I think we've, that has been redressed to some extent. But I mean, in, back in the time of de Valera and that it was, you pretended it didn't exist the fact that mass numbers of people were basically forced to leave the country. But it has been, But I, I think that idea about the senators actually is probably the best one of all. Okay. Yeah. Uh, lots of text coming through. Carl in Mallow says, the CO2 emissions from the ship carrying the US cars to Ireland is more than all the cars on the ship in their lifetime. Emiss- you're, you're probably right. So certainly not in a position to challenge that. Uh, Fergus listening from Tree Rock Mountain says, anyone for Peck- Peckham spring water? Regarding gas guzzlers, guzzlers, I changed my gas guzzler, a Vectra Petrol, for a Quasco 
and Cascay. And the tax is one quarter of what it was, mm. and the MPG is 60 instead of 20 on a good run. Uh, great show. Thanks indeed for all those texts. Ed says immigrants don't pay tax here, so they shouldn't have a vote to invert a well known slogan no representation without taxation. Now, we're. Um, we're we're, the Sunday Times has listed their, their songs of the year and we've asked our, uh, our panel uh, to give us their songs of the year we're all kind of scratching our heads here to be honest because we're completely out of touch um, but Sinead Ryan has come up with hers uh, it is uh, Ed Sheeran thinking out loud <coughs> but with a little bit of a twist have a listen No is no de Okay, welcome back to the Sunday Show. Shane Coleman with you until noon today. Our panel is uh, consumer columnist uh, with the Herald, Sinead Ryan, Mick Clifford, the examiner, and uh, David Leach, a former Labour strategist, now Director of Communications uh, with Go. Lots of text uh, coming through to 53106. Uh, 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 Charlie McWilliam, a Scotsman in Inchicore, says, I've been living here 20 years, love politics and Irish life, but can't vote in a referendum. Very frustrating. Mm. I think the referendum, David, is the only... Yeah, like he would have a vote in general elections and local he elections. Would, yeah, not in the presidential either. Would no, you have to be a citizen yeah. to vote. Yeah, in the you presidential. wouldn't have a presidential election vote yeah. either or a referendum. It's it's outrageous. I mean, mm. it it simply is unacceptable in the modern age. I mean, it's a law written for a country that was as we were up yeah. until twenty yeah. or thirty yeah. years ago, made up entirely of people who were born here. Yeah, and, and, and we allow we allow people like that the, the really important votes, like the general election, Correct. but but not 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 the lesser but more symbolic ones, yeah. which which seems odd. Yeah, Olga says. Um, Interesting fact, there are mo- it is an interesting fact, there are more Polish nationals in the six counties than Irish passport holders, which is interesting if we are given yeah. the vote in the, uh, in the north. Uh, John Crown, uh, Senator John Crown says uh, his recently defeated Shannon reform bill would have given Shannon vote to Irish passport holders who re- registered with the Irish Embassy, which was an interesting idea. Deco in Dublin 13 says, lads and lady, under the new Articles 2 and 3, everyone born in Northern Ireland is legally both an Irish citizen and a British citizen. That, yes. and a British yeah, subject, they wouldn't sorry, choose British to exercise the vote as the problem would be self-selecting. Isn't yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Donald Trump because, um, I mean, Mick Clifford, is there any possibility 2016 could be the year of, of the Trump? Of the Don, as he likes to call himself. Oh, yeah, yeah. frightening. Um, there's a possibility, there's still a possibility he could get the Republican nomination. I don't believe that, irrespective of how uh, embattered mainstream politics is or how crazy things can get in the heartlands in the US, that he could actually be elected president, despite the fact that Hillary Clinton has her own issues in terms of there's a constituency that would be, um, and she looks the most likely nomination for the Democrats, there is a constituency that would be ill-disposed towards her, um, naturally, but... I, but there is a possibility he could actually get the uh, get the Republican nomination, and and it is a bit uh, it is a bit scary. The other thing is the, the interesting thing. Does he speak though, Mick? Sorry to, to cut across. Interesting piece, page twenty of the Sunday Independent by by Peter Casey. Uh, basically, the, he's you know from Dragons Den mm. saying few on this side of the Atlantic realise how widely the reviews of the Republican Party front runner, runner resonate with ordinary Americans. Do well, we underestimate per- that? We do, but there's a particular type of ordinary American, I think, and it's that our image of the ordinary American is the white, uh, male, blue-collar worker, which is the traditional American if you go back to the 50s and 60s. And I think a huge part of his campaign is based on the basis that America can be what it was then, both in terms of aspirations and in terms of its role in the world and its terms as the leading economic power. And a huge part of his campaign is based on that. And, you know, 
it's it, it, it's fraudulent effectively from that point of view and uh, but it's look we don't have to look to America the, we the electorate in this country are plenty capable of being seduced by waffle from various sections during general elections as we've shown time and time again and that would certainly seem to be the case there except it's obviously <laughs> on a far bigger scale um, Sinead Ryan interesting piece in the Sunday Times yeah. today suggesting some senior Republican this, I suppose this is a little bit what, like what's happening with the, in the, the Labour Party in, in Britain with, with Jeremy Corbyn some senior Republicans saying they'd vote for Hillary Clinton rather yeah. than yeah, or at least abstain. And I mean, I, look, with only five weeks to go now to to Iowa, which is which is a really really key vote here. Uh, Tom Ridge, who's a kind of GOP grandee, ha- has said that if uh, Trump was selected, he thinks he would not vote. Now he would be, he would be one of those that has this this you know very very uh, kind of weightier vote than than some of the others. Uh, and, and the fact that Trump um, is being trailed by Ted Cruz, who ha- actually isn't a whole heap better uh, and, mm. and certainly has but those extreme that. views that seem to kind of be, uh, you know, close off the borders, you know, bomb ISIS. These, these are policies now that, that uh, Trump and, and indeed Cruz have come up with. Uh, leaves a lot of moderate Republicans very much swinging in the wind. Um, so unless there's a huge upheaval, um, you know, with, with even Jeb Bush is looking kind of, uh, you know, kind of impotent at this stage for them. Uh, I, a lot of Republicans seem to be coming out now and saying that Hillary is a safer bet. And in fact, um, sh- sh- Trump is a gift to the Democrats. I mean, Hillary has to do absolutely nothing now except keep her powder dry, wear her nice pantsuits, turn up, you know, kind of talk the same message that she's been talking. Use her official email address. Yes, yes, and get a bog off president. You know, buy one, get one free. Um, That's all she has to do. David, you've worked in in many elections. I mean, is this one, uh, I mean, firstly, do you you think, could he win the the Republican nomination? Uh, He could win the nomination. He won't win the presidency under any manner of means. I mean, Cruz is ahead by 10 points now in Iowa, which is the important thing. I mean, national polls don't really matter at this stage in the presidential cycle. I mean, at this stage in a presidential cycle, the last time I think Clinton was ahead of, or eight years ago, Clinton was ahead of Obama by 30 or 40 points nationally. But Obama got ahead in Iowa and that started the that started the uh, the ball rolling for him. I think uh, Cruz, as Sinead points out, isn't a whole heap better than um, th- than Trump. Uh, the problem for the Republicans is, is finding somebody credible. But I mean, I think you said yourself, Shane, a few minutes ago, the problem the Republican Party in the States has is the same problem that the British Labour Party seems to be bringing upon itself in Britain. Which is that it's becoming, it's playing to its base and its base only. So that it's the moderate Republicans, Sinead called them. There are very few moderate mm. Republicans left with any credibility. They've been slowly over the last 20 years just expelled by, you know, by the, by the Republican Party over time. And, you know, what's in the Senate, if you look at the, and the House more so, if you look at the House Republicans, I mean, Paul Ryan has been has been elected Speaker as a, as a moderate. Now, anyone who heard Paul Ryan say anything in the last yeah. president election to describe him as a moderate is just incredible and you know that's where we're at I mean we're at a party that has basically gone over to its own lunatic fringe and left to be taken over by the evangelical right so therefore a candidate has to pass that bar to get on the ticket now the only one there that seems to me that has any chance of impacting nationally is Marco Rubio if 
he were yeah. by some fish to be picked by the establishment Republicans as being the sensible candidate. And in the last couple of elections, they've picked the more sensible candidate each time, um, whether that be Romney the last time or John McCain, the more sensible one comes true in the end. Um, ultimately, I think Hil- Hillary Clinton will win. Rubio is the one who I'd see as the, as the danger to her. The, 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 other thing about, the other thing about Trump is he can't lose. I mean, even, even if he doesn't get the nomination, he certainly won't get the presidency. This is about brand Trump. Mm. He's a businessman. He's going to be there all the time, unlike other people who and they, they fade into the background so that's but just to say to me I, I think that this this is the lowest common denominator I mean I don't oh, think absolutely. anyone in the Irish context plums these depths oh no not I not mean not perhaps Farage in Britain does when he's at his worst plumb these depths but the idea that of picking on an entire you know the, the Muslims yeah. and I mean this kind of stuff is just desperate even women his misogynistic stuff is unbelievable there was there was an, well he actually he was on Twitter last night um, uh, branding Hillary Clinton a racist Hillary Clinton a racist <laughs> never mind and, and I saw an interesting tweet popped up uh, last week which I, which I found amusing was that uh, two thirds of Trump's wives have been immigrants <laughs> so <laughs> you'd mm. wonder yeah. you know how, he's, how he views some of them other than others and so given where the world is at. I mean, given like you know Syria and the first hopes we've had in a long time that yeah, there'll actually, be. I was just going to ask you yeah. bef- before sure. we go because uh, you were joking earlier on about taking the easy option by, by mm. sw- swapping the woes of the Labour Party for the the, the woes of the world, uh, which was the old um, joke about Michael D. Higgins and Frank Frank Um Where are we at with with, with Syria? Just uh, uh, briefly, if if you can. Uh, well, briefly. I mean, for, uh, things are worse on one level. I mean, you know, humanitarian terms. We started a campaign back in August. No, you know, to try and educate people about what's happening in Syria. We have over 400 staff working inside the country at the moment and about 100 more in Turkey um, with refugees and people trying to keep people in in Syria. Um, the issue, the, it's worse. I mean, 12 million people were humanitarian need last August. It's now 13.5 million. Um, you know, the number of deaths is escalating by the day. The Russian intervention has been entirely negative from a military point of view. Uh, the province of Idlib, where we work most, has been under constant barragement for the last month by the by the Russians. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's terrible on one level. On another level, it's the first time we can see in a long time where there's political movement, such as the scale of the crisis, such as the fact that a million a million Syrians, a million immigrants have, have a refugee have landed on European shores there's no choice but the political world must solve this problem so for the first time in five years where we're, we seem like there's, there's some mo- movement towards a ceasefire and that would be fantastic Okay, uh, we are going to be returning to uh, Syria after the uh, 11 o'clock news we're going to be talking to uh, one of the Middle East uh, correspondents uh, from The Guardian uh, Dennis and Cork is not happy too many left wing PC people on your panel wrong about SUV cars account for 10% of greenhouse gases in Ireland why not talk about the other 90% and wrong about Trump we need an intimidating America to counter Putin Obama's been a disaster for the world crowded, crowded by your own biases like listening to RTE yeah. very much a central point of view there yeah. I, d- I don't think Putin would be shaking in his <laughs> at, uh, at, the, at the Donald but uh, <laughs> but maybe I'm wrong about that OK, my thanks to uh, Sinead Ryan to Mick Clifford and to David Leach we've been uh, playing some of the songs uh, of the year we're going to uh, play out with Mick Clifford's choice it's uh, Adele and Hello <laughs> <laughs>